the New Zealand Business Podcast, brought to you by BNZ, helping you be good with money. Well, welcome to the podcast. I'm with uh, Stephen Lynch, who's the COO at Results.com, a New Zealand company, uh, now expanded uh, internationally and running here in the US. Welcome along, Stephen. Thank you, Paul. It's great to be here. You've had, a, I guess, quite a quite an interesting uh, history with uh, results dot com. This this is a business that's, uh, I think, you know, grown and sort of leaps and bounds over the last few years. Starting out as, um, well, maybe you can you can tell us how the business sort of started out and then what it sort of evolved into. Sure, Paul. Well, uh, the, the company was founded in nineteen ninety six, and for most of our history. Uh, Results.com provided business consulting, business coaching services to small and medium-sized businesses in, in the New Zealand market, and uh, and that's what we did for, for, for most of our history, and I joined the company in 2005. Uh, and along the way, we realized that if we were helping companies to, to create their strategic plans and to implement and execute their strategic plans, we needed something that was going to actually track and measure the results of, of the work we were doing with our clients. And in the beginning, that took the form of spreadsheets, and we'd be tracking key performance indicators in spreadsheets. We'd be tracking projects in spreadsheets, and we knew we needed something that was going to do a better job of making performance visible in our client firms because not everyone on the company uses Excel, and even if they do use Excel, they're not looking at it every day. So we wanted something that where everybody in the company could see what was going on, how the company was tracking, and what was working well and what wasn't working well. And so we started looking for a software solution in around 2007-2008 and we tried various solutions uh, and nothing really uh, fit what it was that we wanted to do to either run our firm or to assist our clients to run their firm. So we decided to start developing software around 2008. And uh, we're actually at the, the third iteration of our software product now and uh, I guess from around uh, 2008 we were a consulting firm that used software to support our consulting uh, but around 2011, 2012, we made the decision to switch it around the other way. We became a software firm that uses our consulting to support our software product. Great. So I'm imagining with um, with the years that you've been doing this sort of business consulting, um, and certainly you know lead, leading into developing your own uh, software, uh, you must have learned a fair bit about what works and and what doesn't in business. Um, and and I'm sure have a few um, a few good stories to tell. Yeah, it's a good point. What we've tried to do, I guess, is to is to take what we've learned from our consulting background and and, and apply that to, to to our software product. Um, in terms of what works and what doesn't, I guess uh, a lot of companies and a lot of business leaders and, and entrepreneurs have a notion of what it is that they want to do. It's actually being able to to turn that vision into reality is what many of them struggle with and. Uh, and uh, you know, I speak to, to several business leaders you know, on any given day, um, and uh, the, the words that I, I constantly hear coming up are, are things like, well, "Accountability is a big one. I wish we had more accountability. We need more accountability. How do I get more accountability?" So, it's how do they how do they get the important things done, and how do they keep people focused, and how do they keep people aligned? And I think those three words, um, you know, accountability, focus, and, and alignment, are, are the things that business leaders generally seem to struggle with, and, and whether it's in New Zealand or here in North America, the problems are, are exactly the same. Do you think it's more of a challenge in New Zealand where you know, our businesses tend to be uh, smaller 
often sort of you know almost well quite commonly owner owner operated or or you know a small pool of uh, uh, shareholders in a lot of cases. Um, yeah, we've got a, I guess a big a big leaning to that. I'm sure it's, it's there's a lot of similarities here in the US market too, uh, but we we do probably have a disproportionate uh, you know, amount of sort of smaller to to medium uh, businesses than we do uh, certainly the the bigger corporates with all of their uh, you know structures and so on from a support perspective. Yeah, I think uh, you know having spent time you know in the Consulting world in New Zealand, but also here in North America, I think the the, the issues are the same. But what, what I noticed in coming to North America is that the entrepreneurs and business leaders here tend to think a little bit bigger. They they have a notion that 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 that, uh, that the opportunity is there, and they're willing to take take uh, the risk and, and invest to actually to have a go and and, and make it big. And um, and because the the size of the market is so big, they and the fact that the the media here, you know, makes heroes and, and celebrates their business leaders, they're they're willing to back themselves to to at least give it a go, and and uh, that's one of the I guess the key things I noticed in moving from New Zealand to the US. The problems are exactly the same that that business leaders face over here, but they've got a, a much greater vision of of what they think they can become, and uh, and uh, yeah, it's, and all of this is thinking bigger. Interesting. I spoke to uh, somebody uh, here well, uh, during the week, and um, they had an interesting take on uh, exporting. Now, you know, in New Zealand, we know, look, our mark our market's not that big. If you can if you can do well as an exporting uh, business into a market such as the US and so on, um, then you'll do you know exponentially better than than what you would. Uh, achieve just selling into the New Zealand market, um, but talking to uh, somebody here in the US about uh, expanding internationally, and they were, you know, they were saying, "Well, actually, the opportunity's not that great." You know, the the risk w- versus reward. Yeah, you put a huge amount of effort into it for for not much. I thought it, it was quite interesting because quite the opposite to. Uh, um, to what it is for a lot of New Zealand businesses here in the US, it just seems that you've got such a massive uh, market uh, that that a lot of people are more than happy just just to focus on the US. And in fact, when you look when you look at a, a lot of the um, uh, very very successful businesses here in the US, uh, yeah, many of them though they maybe have expanded internationally, still draw you know. Um, a, a very very large percentage of their uh, their revenue from uh, from the US market. Oh yeah, and absolutely, and 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 to be honest, most of the businesses we work with don't even think about that. I mean, for example, Ohio. You know, the first time I went there it was many years ago now, but I thought, well, how big is Ohio? And there's, there's 20 million people in Ohio, so you can be big in Ohio and do very very well, and, and never sell outside the state. The the, yeah, the scale of the opportunity is is, is considerably larger. Yeah. yeah. Now, b- before you uh, before you left New Zealand, and the, the sort of businesses that uh, that you were working with, um, what what were the sort of the common, um, I guess, sort of ceilings that you were seeing businesses hitting? Was it that um, that they had an opportunity to leverage what they were doing in New Zealand? Uh, and could have grown internationally, but weren't. Or 
all I mean they're, they're all sorts of ceilings I guess that that different uh, people and organizations hit based on their the people based on the the type of business they're in and so on but what were some of the ones that you came across I guess the common ceilings that that we experienced in, in our work uh, with, with the results.com clients which were typically small medium-sized businesses sort of you know up to you know 100 150 uh, employees max so th- that's the sort of size business that we, we're typically working with but but as companies go from 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 founder and and as they grow and evolve I guess uh, the first ceiling they hit is the, is the founder learning to let go of a lot of the functions that that, that they have been performing and, and to actually start leading their business instead of trying to, to do everything and control everything is, is one of the first ceilings that they hit at around that sort of 10 to 15 staff mark and helping owners get beyond that point and put, putting some disciplines and structures into their business so that they can actually start to create a team of people around them who can, who can run those, those systems and structures. Uh, and, and then again, uh, they seem to hit another ceiling at around the 50 employee mark where they need to be able to, to step right back and, and build a team of capable managers around them then who can, can take charge of the various functions in the business. So those are the ceilings that we commonly deal with at Results.com, helping business owners uh, transcend the ceilings at those two points there. And, I mean, what would you recommend are the key things that, are, that uh, need to be put in place to be able to make those uh you know those those transitions. Uh, I think it's having a, a I guess a, a, a methodology or, or a framework that that everyone in your company buys into, so that you're, you're talking the same language. Yeah, you've got a, a cycle of, of planning and execution, and a way of actually executing their plans that everyone knows and understands, and a way of actually uh, I guess uh, uh, assigning work, tracking work, and following up to make sure that work gets done. So that there's a, a Poor processes and poor systems will will, will beat good people every time. So yes, we want to make sure that we we employ uh, and retain good people, but very important to make sure that we build good systems. Uh, With good systems, even even average people can do very well, and that's what we want to be able to create in in the companies that we work with. And do you think it's hard for, um, yeah, most, um, I, I guess, um, small business owners that have, you know, maybe developed the the entire business themselves, and it revolves a lot around them uh, to actually do that to uh, uh, to see how things can be can be, uh, you know, moved into uh, in, into systems and processes that maybe uh, require uh, less of uh, of them. It, it is hard. Um, it- Typically, the, the, the founder or founders are, are, are entrepreneurial types who can have a, you know, a thousand ideas before breakfast and want to implement them all. Uh, and eventually you realise as you start to build and scale your company, you can't do everything and you've got to get clearer and focused. And you've got to be able to provide your people with that clarity and focus as well. Otherwise, they won't know where to direct their efforts if you're constantly chopping and changing. So I guess the uh, it's managing, I guess, that entrepreneurial flair, that innovation uh, that desire for innovation with the ability to actually align people around what it is that you're trying to do and make sure that you actually get it done. And very often it's around focusing on less to achieve more and making sure that you're constantly pruning back on things that perhaps aren't working so well and doubling down on the things that are working well. Um, and and in terms of that, uh, I guess that move to sort of... Um, Processes. 
do you find that um, there are a lot of tools that can really help in that job or is it, you know there's because there's definitely sort of uh you know software tools to map your business processes and document them and so on um or is it most important to bring in someone who's who's just very good at those sort of operational uh aspects of the business to actually uh you know bring that transition yeah good point often it's a bit of a bit of both and and very often you see uh uh, the, the founding entrepreneurs will start to bring in people who bring more discipline and structure with them and they've probably come from, from corporate environments or uh, you know, very structured environments where they know how to actually build scalable systems. So uh, yes, sometimes it's a matter of bringing in people in, in, in the operations functions who can bring that structure and discipline. But also to, to find a framework that, that, that fits with, with your culture that uh, that you can adopt company-wide so that uh, everyone, uh, I guess, applies what it is that you're trying to do into that framework. And I guess another challenge that business leaders have is that as you start to bring in these capable people, you'll also start to have more arguments as well with people who are willing to stand up to you and uh, and becoming comfortable with uh, uh, that uh, notion of being able to have productive conflict with very capable people where you're not the font of all wisdom, and, and in order to make great quality decisions, you need to surround yourself with, with people who are willing to challenge uh, your perspectives and willing to table uh, uh, opinions that are contrary to your own and, uh, and be willing to actually uh, you know, argue as if you were right but listen as if you were wrong and, uh, and, and let the debate play out and, and become almost a, a, a chairperson for that debate and, and not jump in and make the decisions too quickly and let the people actually wrestle issues to the ground and, and you'll make much better quality decisions if you if you start to, to bring that sort of culture into your business as you grow. That's got to be a fairly uh, difficult change, I would think, for uh, you know for a, for a, for a lot of uh, uh, founders to get, to to go through. Absolutely, it is. Uh, particularly when you've called the shots from day one. Uh, but if you, if you continue to try to do that as your company grows and evolves, you'll end up pushing away good people who can add real value to your firm. So you definitely want to, to, to start bringing in these good people who will challenge, uh, who will challenge your mindset and who will challenge your perspectives. And sometimes we find that I guess and I think to, to our consulting work with clients is that you uh, you need to uh, almost do a little bit of leadership coaching with these people as well too, so that they learn to actually let go of the reins a little and allow these people to grow and thrive around them. So I think um, you know it must it must be very very important. Uh, to to also you know surround yourself with people from outside of your business that can give you those sorts of uh, you know perspectives. Obviously, we can hear this sort of advice listening to a podcast, you know, reading books and so on. But you need to have those uh, uh, you know mentors with an outside perspective as well as obviously the people you bring into the business. Would that be fair to say? Absolutely. And and uh, when I think of many of the the business owners, business leaders that we've worked with, you know, at, at results.com is, is those business leaders that they've, they've tend to join, uh, business networking groups, entrepreneuring groups, or built a very good, uh, advisory board or, or board of directors around them, people who will actually, uh, challenge them and push them and prod them and goad them and, uh, um, and yes, they're willing to actually go through that, 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 that personal growth where, uh, where, where people aren't going to, to do what it is that they say 
they are going to challenge them and, and they will learn and they do learn that, that you make far better quality decisions when you actually debate all the options and then make a decision uh, at that point. Yeah, it's pretty important to be uh, to be teachable, isn't it, when you're going through uh, yeah, ma- major changes? Yes, and be willing to, to change your mind when better information comes to light. And, and uh, I guess we've seen several examples of people who have dogmatically followed the same course of action when it you know, it was apparent to everyone else that uh, a new course was required. Yeah, so it, you've seen some situations like like that where uh, where where maybe the the the, the founder um, just hasn't been able to make the changes. Have you seen businesses like that that have sort of really been been left on the roadside, as it as it were, and not not been able to uh, uh, move along at the at the pace they should have been, or been completely stunted? Oh, absolutely, and and, um, and and not only because of the you know the, I guess the owner's inability to to let go and or to grow and scale their businesses, but also with the, the, the structural change that's occurring in many industries, where I guess if you keep doing what has made you successful in the past and fail to take into account these changes that are happening in your environment, you, know, you are going to get sideswiped, and uh, uh, unless you're following, a, I guess, a, a disciplined process where you take time periodically to stop and, and look up and look around and see what's going on around you, yeah, you are going to get taken out by change. And we do see that a lot. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, particularly in the, in the, in the current uh, climate, both from an economic perspective but, but also um, just the general changes that are being led by technology and, and um, um, yeah, other efficiencies and so on that come into play are completely changing. I guess probably you know, most markets are are, um, are changing much faster than they probably have done in the past. Technology is a big one. I mean, yes, there are you know many forces that impact industries, but technology is the big one, and making sure that you are, I guess, uh, keeping abreast of, of those changes in, in technology and, and what, I guess, some of the, uh, the early adopters in your industry are doing and just seeing what's happening out there on the periphery. And, and we've certainly noticed that in the consulting industry we could see that technology was going to change and impact our industry, so we wanted to make sure that we got out in front of it. And, uh, and yes, technology is eating consultants, and uh, we want to make sure that uh, uh, we're on the side of technology. Yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, that's great. I think it's a it's a really good, it's a it's a good point, and I mean, there, there's nothing that we can do to to stop the change, is there? And you know, if we uh, if we sit still and sort of think, well, hey, it's business has worked well like this for X number of years in the past. Uh, eventually, we're going to get left behind. I guess that can be a bit of a gamble, and in some cases, maybe. Uh, you know, business owners will decide just, well, I'm just going to, you know, ride it and get, go as, you know, as far as I can. And that, I guess, depends where, you know, where you are in the life of your business and, uh, and in, and in your own, uh, career as a, as a business owner. I guess that's a valid option for some just to say, well, we'll let this thing wind down over the next five years as it changes and, uh, and we'll shut the business down and leave it at that. But, um, that's, Probably not the best case for, uh, for for most. No, and and we do see a lot of one of a better word miserable business owners where they know what they're doing is not working and and they're not getting the results they want and uh, they you know they they start looking for help but perhaps you know they are so set in in, in what has been their success formula in the past and and they're not willing to change and and and, and sadly 
if you're not willing to evolve, yeah, you will get you will get you will get caught out and left by the roadside. And what sort of sectors have you seen that in? Are there any particular examples you can you can share? I mean, the media is a classic one, just the, the digitisation of media. But uh, yeah, just uh, just the digitisation in general is, is impacting so many industries and the ability to do things at scale. And, uh, and 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 rather just throwing more people at a problem, and, and we've certainly been guilty of that in the past, actually looking at the way you can solve various problems with technology and deliver one-to-many solutions. Um, yeah, and, and that's impacting you know, many, many industries. Yeah, and I think that can, in many cases, it can be quite, uh, it can be quite difficult to sort of see the way out of that, though, can't it? You know, particularly when we're when we're steering it, you know, maybe the sector that that we're operating in, uh, you know, shrinking dramatically, uh, or there being, um, you know, bigger and and better funded um, and more automated sort of you know competition. Uh, coming in, it makes it very, very hard to sort of uh, to look around and to actually see what the uh, what the opportunities are uh, from a go forth perspective. Yeah, I think you've got to get outside your industry sometimes too. I think people in the same company can tend to think alike, but even people in the same industry can all think alike as well. And to actually get outside your industry and expose yourself to what other industries are doing and and what's happening in other conferences and and expand. Uh, Expand the media that you read. Don't don't be so insular just within your industry because uh, yeah, whole industries are getting sideswiped as well. Yeah, I mean it, it does seem you know virtually every industry you you look at um, there are there are changes going on and in a lot of cases there's some you know there's some really interesting in innovation um, and I guess it's. Uh, you know, how do you position yourself to be in in that innovative sort of uh, um, position, rather than at the uh, at at the tail end where uh, you know your lunch may end up uh, being eaten by others? Yeah, I think you've got to you've got to place some, some some wise strategic bets as you go through your strategic planning process. And one of the things we encourage clients to do is to operate with what we call dual vision. D U A L where you've got to keep one eye on the present, you've got a current business, you've got a business model, it's, it's generating money, and you've got to make sure that, that it continues to do so. So you've got to work your current business and you've got to improve your current business. But sadly, that's what most people tend, tend to do. They set goals for their current business, and I understand why. Uh, but you've also got to keep one eye on the future. You've got to keep one eye on, 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 on what it is that you need to become. And you've got to place some strategic bets there around around what do we need to build, what do we need to create that's going to position us for success in the years to come. So, And that's the real challenge of strategic leadership is being able to keep one eye on the present, improve what is, improve my current business. But also you've got to keep one eye on the future. What do I need to create, what do I need to build so that I will have a successful business in the future? And and that is the, the, the true test of strategic leadership, the, the ability to be able to operate with both of those contexts in mind. Great. So, and that's obviously a journey that uh, that you've been through with with uh, results, and you've now got uh, there's Results Group, which is the business coaching side that operates in uh, in New Zealand, and then you've got Results.com, which is really providing um, you know the tools to to help businesses to uh, to execute. Correct. Yes, and. Uh 
we, we realized that, uh, I guess it was, I think it was Confucius who said, if you, you chase two rabbits, you catch neither. And we, we realized we'd be more successful as a business if, if we focused by having a, a separate consulting entity and a separate software entity. Yes, they obviously are both, you know, still uh, strongly aligned, uh, but, uh, uh, we could see that the bigger opportunity global was, was with the software where we could touch more business leaders, you know, uh, through technology and, and, and make a, a bigger difference globally through technology. Uh, so yes, um, the results.com business is, is completely a software as a service firm now. That must be a, it must be very, very hard to make that sort of, uh, change because, yeah, uh, you've got one existing uh, source of revenue that I'm sure you know that's continuing to come in, and then you've got hey, we've got this new opportunity that we we're going to go after, but it can take a long time uh, for the new opportunity to uh, you know a even prove that it's that it can ever make money. Um, and then, you know, you've obviously got to get to that, that break even point and so on. So you've maybe got to chase, uh, funding for the, for the new, uh, side of the business. That can't have been a particularly easy process, uh, to have had to, uh, uh, follow through. No, it wasn't, Paul. And it's actually a really good example, I guess, of what we were talking about earlier, where you've got to improve what is, but also create what will be. And it's a rare business we've found that can do both simultaneously. And I know many corporates try to actually create a little skunk works division off to the side where, you know, uh, I guess a business unit is allowed to actually innovate and create a future. If you can protect and nurture that business and not let the, uh, I guess, the existing business sort of uh, snuff the light out of it, you know, um, good on you. It, 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 it's easy to say, hard to do in practice. And, and, uh, we found it hard to do in practice, and we found the best way to make it happen was to actually separate those two entities out. And I guess that's where I learned a lesson that uh, um, uh, has stuck with me ever since. And uh, I guess I, I, uh, early on in my business career, I was strongly influenced by the, the works of, of, of Jim Collins in his book, The Last and Good to Break. And he kept talking about getting the right people on the bus and then figuring out where you want to take your bus. And I thought, oh, yes, it's all about the right people and then figuring out your strategy. But uh, I guess what we've come to learn, and I've seen it play out in our client firms as well, is that when you make a, a key strategic decision, it certainly impacts the sort of people that you need. And we found that the strategic decision that we made to actually leave the businesses off, that uh, very different people were required to make those different models work. Um, and uh, so I guess I came to sort of... Uh, a point of difference there with, with, with Jim Collins as much as I respect him as, as a thought leader that uh, I think strategy becomes before people. You, you need to get clear on what your strategy is and then surround yourself with the right people to make that strategy work. Because many people who were great people in the old model you know, weren't able or weren't willing to make the leap uh, to work under the, 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 the new model. Um, so it wasn't about getting the right people on the bus and then figuring out where to go. It was about figuring out where we want to go and then make sure that we get the right people. Mm. And and how have you um, dealt with the I guess those the, the cash flow and and, and monetary type uh, yeah challenges of building that new business? Have you had to go out and get uh, you know new new funding, um, or was that you know something that you were pretty easily able to do out of existing sort of you know cash flows and and the you know how etc. A combination of the two. We've, I guess we bootstrapped it for the most part. Yes, we did seek uh, external funding as well to help speed the pace of, 
of product development um, and I guess bolster up our competencies in that area. Yes, we're really strong in the consulting area and knowing what we wanted to do and what we wanted to build, but we needed to, to fund the actual building of it. So uh, we, we, we sought funding in, in that realm there as well. Um, but uh, we've been able to tap into some, some business networks that have been uh, very uh, fruitful for us in terms of getting our software uh, out to a great number of business leaders. So um, the software is certainly taking on a life of its own now. That's great. Now, how easy is it to sort of plug into the networks that that help you, uh, yeah, establish establish a growing uh, growing business? I wish I knew. Um, sometimes <laughs> you, you you have to do a lot of things and 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 try a lot of things and 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 not give up too soon. I think a lot of people uh, chop and change things too often with with their with their with their marketing approaches and. Uh, and uh, I think uh, you know, it's a matter of figuring out who you are and, and how you want to position yourself in the minds of, of your target audience and, and being consistent over time. And I'll give you an example. I mean, we, we, I started writing a blog five years ago and I, and I committed that I was going to write one every week. You know, and, and I've done so every week for five years. That's great. Uh, and, uh, and you get people who suddenly sign up for your business and, and you go, oh, how did you hear about us? And they say, oh, I started reading your blog three years ago. And it's like, Oh wow! So they've actually been out there on the periphery for all that period of time, but eventually they got to the point where they had a niche that they needed to scratch, and they decided to buy. So it's drip, 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 drip. You've just got to keep going consistently with what you know to be valuable. Yeah, and I think with things with things like that, uh, particularly in a in a smaller business where you've got to drive yourself uh, to do, for instance, blogging or you know, whatever it is that you've chosen uh, to do. Um, that can be really, really hard when you're not necessarily sort of seeing the uh, seeing the results. Now, tell us about your book because uh, uh, last I think it was last year you've you've um, published a book, yes. um, business execution for results. What's what's the story behind that? That sort of uh, you know drove you to do that, and uh, you know have you found that to be um, helpful from a business perspective? Um, I guess it started from the blog where I guess I started sharing what it is that that uh, we were learning as consultants and I worked with client firms, but also what we were learning from, from various conferences that, that I was attending. Uh, my colleagues and I would come to various conferences around the world to learn from various thought leaders and, and we would take that information and translate it into information that we thought would be applicable to New Zealand business owners and, and in a language that they would understand. So it started with, with that and, and, and with writing about that. And uh, I knew I had a book in me, and I and I, I mucked around for two or three years with with content, and and eventually I decided to eat my own dog food, and and I, I paid a writing coach to to make sure that I got it done. I mean, uh, you know, client firms would pay us as as consultants to make yeah. sure that they got things done. I sure. thought, well, maybe I need to do that myself. And it was the best move I ever made. So over the course of the year, this writing coach sort of made me write a chapter every yeah. week and and critiqued my work, and and eventually uh, got it done. And and uh, been pleasantly surprised with the results. I don't think any author uh, seriously expects to make money from, from writing unless you actually happen to write a, a runaway bestseller. But I guess uh, a business book is, is, uh, is the, the business card that no one throws away. And if you can uh, write a book that perhaps establishes your uh, thought leadership in a, in a specific domain, it can certainly have flow-on effects. And, uh, and uh, I've been pleasantly surprised that that has been the case here as well, where people have, have read the book and have gone, oh, and it's led to other things. So 
Um, I don't think you write a book to make money, you, you, but you can write a book to actually help advance your business. Absolutely, that's great. And I and I guess if you know if your book is well received, uh, you know within within a large organisation, it can end up being something that sort of gets passed around or, or sort of becomes you know required reading within uh, within the organisation, which can really sort of um, help spread spread the message even further. And, and I have been fortunate that that has happened as well, where a, 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 a group um, you know, with, with a, a global network where, where a senior member of that group chanced upon it uh, and then uh, you know, started sharing it with, with other members of that group. And, and before I knew it, I was presenting seminars and workshops to that group, and now we're selling software to that group. And it all came because of, a, I guess, a, a chance encounter with that written work. That's great. That's excellent. So, what? Who would you recommend um, should look at doing things like blogging or 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 writing a a book? Because it's not something for everyone, is it? I think people have got to, you know, they've got to choose something that is a um, is a forte for them. But maybe there are there are some that um, don't know their capabilities because they haven't tried. Yeah, I think I guess you've got to figure out what what sits with you and, and your personality type. I've always liked writing, and I guess the concept of teaching. But I think most owners have got an aspect of that in them, where they've, they've figured something out. You know, there's a, there's a problem that that they've figured out how to solve. There's something that they're really passionate about. There is an audience for that, and you've, you, I guess it's just communicating your passion, and and whether that's through through podcasting or, or writing or blogging or speaking. Um, it's, it's just to get out there and do it. And yes, it, 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 it will start small and it, and, it, and it will feel like a chore. And, and I still write my blog on Saturday mornings. I don't get time to do it during the week. I just make time to do it. Um, and, and that's what you have to do is, is to find that thing, that, that forum for your voice and, uh, and but just, just keep doing it. Repetition is the key. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's, good, that's good advice. Excellent. Now, um, what's next for you, and what's next for uh, for results as a, as a business? Tell us where the business is at now here in terms of your international uh, expansion, and um, you know what you think is going to be required of of you and um, and and of the rest of the uh, you know the team over the next few years ahead. Um, well, we're fortunate that we have a great brand and a great domain, and uh, even if people have never heard of us, as soon as they hear of us, they think, oh, well, results.com, you, you must know what you're doing. Is, uh, is there a story behind the name? Well, I'm sure you didn't just sort of um, no, fall uh, across that on a, on a uh, you know, um, that no one had registered it. That there must have been um, something to, uh, to acquiring such a strong name. It did exist, and our founder and CEO, Ben Riddler, you know, saw that the domain became available and... Uh, uh, it cost an, an exorbitant amount of money, and I won't say how much. Uh, and um, people said, "Oh, you're crazy!" at the time, but but he knew that it was the right move to make, and yes, it was. Uh, and people take your phone call. You know, when you call up and you say you're from Results.com, they they take your phone call. So uh, it's a it's a simple thing, but it can have uh, far-reaching effects. Um, and so yes, it was a an, an investment uh, in, in in a brand. We knew that as we were going to expand you know, out of New Zealand and come to North America, we needed a brand that would have some, some cachet here. Uh, so, yes, a high-profile domain name certainly has helped grease the wheels of gaining traction in the American market. 
In terms of the future, yes, we'd, we'd very much like to list this company on the New Zealand Stock Exchange at, at, at some point in the future, and uh, uh, we'll certainly be working towards uh, achieving that in, in the you know, uh, near to middle term. Oh, that's good. And, I mean, what sort of potential do you believe there is for... Um, for your for your product, what sort of uh, businesses are you finding, uh, you know, are, are most suitable customers for you, or are you seeing that it's something that's very very you know broad in terms of anyone can uh, um, can utilise your your tools to, uh, um, I guess, to help you know measure their um, uh, their execution and so on. I think uh, you know every business leader we speak to, no matter what size of the firm, they are looking for ways to, to I guess, increase productivity and, and to focus and align their people, as I mentioned earlier, and to, you know, to, to generate and drive more accountability in the organisation. Um, and there are a variety of tools now, sort of, becoming available to help business leaders to achieve that at, at, at all sizes of the company spectrum. And we tend to focus on that small to medium-sized business market, sort of. Anywhere from sort of ten staff at the lower end up to around two hundred and fifty staff. I mean, we've had a McDonald's, uh, you know, franchise in Florida, you know, a multi-site franchise, come to us and use our software. Um, yes, they use the software, but they're probably a little bit bigger than, than what it is that we would target. Um, so we tend to focus on on, on fast growth entrepreneurial firms where they're struggling to get a rein on that growth and they want to get more structured and disciplined about what it is that they do, but. We've been surprised by the, the types of businesses and organisations that have approached us and become customers. And, and as I was saying to you earlier, Paul, um, you know, a, a, a group of churches in, in, in Texas, you know, they use our software. They want to drive accountability in their church organisation as much as, as business leaders in New Zealand do. They've got uh, money that they need to collect. They've got goals that they want to achieve and they want to make performance visible. And, and uh, I guess that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. It, it's about visibility and transparency of results. And... Um, the Harvard Business School coined this term last year, which I quite like. They say radical transparency, and they found that companies that operate with what they call radical transparency tend to get superior results. That's where everyone in the company knows what's going on. They can see which parts of the business are working well and which parts are not working so well. But they can also see which people are working well and which people are not working so well. And they found that companies where they have operate with that level of transparency get superior results. And uh, and that's what we, we do with our product, is we provide that radical transparency so that everyone in the company can see what's going on, they can see what the company's working on, and and, uh, and more importantly, they can see what it is that they need to do to play their part to move the company forward. And, and business leaders are looking for that sort of solution, and uh, and we're, uh, you know, it's definitely a growth market in terms of the, the space we're operating in. Right. Well, all the best with, uh, with your growth. Um and we certainly look forward to uh, hearing about that uh, that listing in the future, Stephen. Thank you, Paul. It's been a pleasure, and it's great having you here in San Francisco to speak with us. Thank you. The New Zealand Business Podcast, brought to you by BNZ, helping you be good with money.